welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Friday of the 34th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Stir up the will of your faithful, we pray, O Lord, that striving more eagerly to bring your divine work to fruitful completion, they may receive in greater measure the healing remedies your kindness bestows. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Apocalypse. I, John, saw an angel come down from heaven with the key of the abyss in his hand and an enormous chain. He overpowered the dragon, that primeval serpent which is the devil and Satan, and chained him up for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and shut the entrance and sealed it over him to make sure he would not deceive the nations again until the thousand years had passed. At the end of that time, he must be released, but only for a short while. Then I saw some thrones, And I saw those who are given the power to be judges take their seats on them. I saw the souls of all who had been beheaded for having witnessed for Jesus and for having preached God's word. And those who refused to worship the beast or his statue and would not have the brand mark on their forehead or hands, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Then I saw a great white throne and the one who was sitting on it. In his presence, earth and sky vanished, leaving no trace. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing in front of his throne, while the book of life was opened, and other books opened which were the record of what they had done in their lives, by which the dead were judged. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades were emptied of the dead that were in them, and everyone was judged according to the way in which he had lived. Then death and Hades were thrown into the burning lake. This burning lake is the second death, and anybody whose name could not be found written in the book of life was thrown into the burning lake. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had disappeared now, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down from God, out of heaven, as beautiful as a bride all dressed for her husband. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here God lives among his people. 
Here God lives among his people. My soul is longing and yearning, is yearning for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my soul ring out their joy to God, the living God. Here God lives among his people. The sparrow herself finds a home and the swallow a nest for her brood. She lays her young by your altars, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Here God lives among his people. They are happy who dwell in your house, forever singing your praise. They are happy whose strength is in you. They walk with ever-growing strength. Here God lives among his people. Alleluia, alleluia. Lift up your heads and see. Your redemption is near at hand. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Think of the fig tree, and indeed every tree. As soon as you see them bud, you know that summer is now near. So with you when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you solemnly, before this generation has passed away, all will have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let me try and catch you up on what's been happening in the book of the Apocalypse. Yesterday, we had a couple of snippets from chapter 18 and chapter 19, and it described the fall of Babylon. Now, if you remember, Babylon was described as a harlot who was riding on the back of, you know, the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns uh, and was enticing the nations towards idolatry. And Babylon here describes not just the ancient civilization of Babylon, but that tendency that exists in the world for man to gather together in rebellion against God. So all of these kingdoms that set themselves up as their own God and entice others towards idolatry, these become the murderous kingdoms that kill the Christian martyrs. If you remember, riding on the back of this beast, Babylon, the harlot, is drunk on the blood of the martyrs and of the innocent. Anyway, she gets cast down and she'll be spending eternity in the smoking section. And those who remained faithful to the Lamb... Those who resisted the enticements of Babylon, they're caught up into heaven and their faithfulness is vindicated. They praise God for his faithfulness and they praise him for his judgment because they have been avenged. The blood which they shed because of the harlot has been vindicated. And these who are victorious are caught up in the wedding feast of the Lamb. Amid the sounds of thunder and hallelujahs, the victorious cry out, For the Lord God the Almighty has entered on his reign. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready, and he has granted to her to attire herself in fine linen, shining and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of God's people. Now, we made mention of this um, a few days ago, but I think it's worth repeating. 
When you read the book of the Apocalypse through, it sounds like these events are all written in chronological order. This happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. Um, But when you read carefully, you can start to see that the book's not simply describing individual events as they follow one from another, um, but often goes back to describe the same event in different language. So we've heard about these different cycles of seven, right? The seven seals broken on the scroll. Then we heard about seven trumpets. Um, And what we actually haven't spoken about and what the lectionaries largely skipped over is another cycle of seven about the seven bowls or seven chalices. And these describe the events of God's victory, um, again, from a different angle. So what happens now is that after Babylon has been thrown down and we've had this great canticle, this great song of the victory of the martyrs, we go back now to the sixth bowl, the sixth bowl which gets poured out on the world, which is the day of the Lord. We go from victory back into warfare to describe the destruction of the beasts. So this is preceding the first reading which we have today. Um, And let me just read a little bit of it because I think it just paints such an amazing picture. Have a listen to this. And I saw heaven wide open and behold, a white horse. Its rider's name was Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes flamed like fire and on his head were many diadems. Written on them was a name known to none but himself. He was clothed in a cloak dipped in blood, and he was called the Word of God. Then we hear that from his mouth came a sharp sword with which to smite the nations, for it is he who will rule them with a rod of iron, and it is he who treads the winepress of the wine of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his cloak and on his thigh was written the title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're talking about Jesus, right? (laughs) The coming of the word of God on a white horse, absolutely victorious. And he is described by the names faithful and true. Now, he's wearing a cloak that's dipped in blood. Um, Obviously, his own blood. This is before the battle even begins, and yet he's blood-soaked because he is the lamb who was slain. He was the one willing to shed his own blood. But here's the interesting thing, right? From his mouth comes a sharp sword. This is his word. This is the truth. And it is with his word that he proclaims judgment on the nations. Jesus is described as the one who treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. Remember the image a couple of days ago of the harvest, the grain being gathered into God's barns and the grapes being crushed in the winepress of God's anger. Well, brace yourself, because here comes the crusher. Crushed by what, though? Nothing but the truth. Those who set themselves up in rebellion against God simply have their rebellion declared. These are the ones who unleashed the fires of hell upon the world and who refused to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So here comes the truth. This is who you are. This is what you've done. 
The sharp sword which smites the nations simply comes from the mouth of the word of God. So anyway, our champion rides in on the scene, and what unfolds is the rebellious nations gathered together by the beasts and the dragon, waging war against God's people. We've gone back to the sixth bowl, which describes the Battle of Armageddon. Anyway, the beast gets captured and is thrown into a lake of fire with sulfurous flames, so it's stinky fire. Uh, And the rest of the armies were slain by the sword of the rider on the horse, the sword which came out of his mouth. That brings us to the next scene in the battle, uh, which is from the first reading today, right? I, John, saw an angel come down from heaven with the key of the abyss in his hand and an enormous chain. He overpowered the dragon, that primeval serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and chained him up for a thousand years. Awesome. At last, we're dealing with the heart of the problem, the one who stood behind the beasts and gave them power and authority. The dragon is finally being dealt with. Now, there's a curious aspect of the picture here. So we hear that um, the dragon gets shackled up for a thousand years. And in that time, Christ reigns with the martyrs. And then after a thousand years, the devil gets unleashed and then is cast down to hell definitively forever. So the battle kind of comes in two scenes with a thousand years in between. Now, biblical scholars have spilled a lot of ink over what that thousand years means. Personally, I'm inclined to think that it's, you know, more of a symbolic value rather than something chronological. The reign of Christ holds Satan bound. That to the blessed, Satan is incapable of harming them. And this is where we see the harm done to the blessed being undone. Listen to this. I saw the souls of all who had been beheaded for having witnessed for Jesus and for having preached God's word and those who refused to worship the beast or his statue and would not have the brand mark on their foreheads or hands, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. We get a picture now of final judgment and of definitive victory. Death and Hades themselves are destroyed, and the dead rise to new life. Even the sea must give up its dead. It's a powerful image because the sea seems to describe those who are most lost, never to be found again. And yet, here in the definitive victory of God, even the sea must give up those that it held captive. Everyone is judged, we read, according to the way that he lived. And so here we see another image coming of truth. God's punishment isn't arbitrary, it's simply a question. To whom do you belong? If you belong to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then your name is written in the Register of Life. Um, But if you belong to the dragon, well, you can see where he's gone. You better go join him. The dragon has had his time of war and of bringing destruction on God's creation. That time now has come to an end. And the dragon and those allied with the dragon, the beasts, the false prophet, and all the rebellious nations are finally quarantined. I suppose the last few months have taught us the great danger of a virus that gets unleashed on the world. Uh, And here we see the final isolation of this virus of evil. So here's the thing, you know, the book of the apocalypse is written 
for all of us, you know, not just for those who go through the end time so that they can figure out what the heck's going on. No, it's written for all of us in order to remind us what victory really looks like. You get your head chopped off for having witnessed for Jesus or having preached his word? Did you refuse to worship the beast or his statue and wouldn't have the brand mark on your forehead? You come to life and reign with Christ. That's victory. Remember what Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Fear him rather who can destroy both body and soul in hell. There's your enemy. Now, this is already getting a bit long, and I apologize for that, but I really want to tell you this story. It's something that happened to me a few years ago. Um, at the height of the persecution of Christians by ISIS in uh, Egypt and Libya, and there was a terrible situation where a number of Christians were held captive by ISIS, and they had their heads cut off on the beach of Libya facing Rome. Anyway, it was not long after that had happened that um, I was walking through the airport here in Adelaide and one of the security personnel pulled me over for, um, you know, you know, the bomb test where they kind of pad you down and, and see if there's any bomb residue anywhere. Anyway, it turned out the reason why the uh, security guard wanted to talk to me is because he was a Coptic Christian and, you know, I was a Catholic priest. And I said to him, I said, look, we're really praying for you guys, you know, suffering over there with um, the, the danger and threat of ISIS. It's at that point that he said to me, Father, it's so much worse than what they're saying on the news. What they'd started to do was to take Christians captive, tie cables around their necks, and then attach them to Maine's power, electrocuting them in a most brutal fashion. But it's at this point that the Egyptian Christian kind of grabbed me by the arm and he said, But Father, they don't understand what they're doing. They are in fact giving us the greatest gift. They are giving us eternal life. It was inspiring to me to see someone who understood who the real enemy is and understood even better who the true victor is. So this picture of the end times is given to us to stay faithful and to see the presence of the beasts and the dragon in our own world and not to be sucked in to their seductions. While we may have to suffer to remain faithful, don't join the losing side. While they appear powerful, at the end, they're a bunch of losers. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, 
and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.